relationship, but we have to give credit to God's grace on our life and our ministry uh, that has enabled us to do what needed to be done, make the self-sacrifices that it takes to make a marriage work. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And without self-sacrifice, there will be no marriage relationship that continues. Uh, as I said last evening, as I uh, counsel young couples get married, that it's going to uh, take a sacrifice of both parties they're going to have to give up some things. They're going to have to be tolerant of some things. They're going to have to sacrifice their agenda. And if they're not going to do that, they're going to have problems. And Proverbs 18.22 says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. This, Hey, we have a PA controller over here. Amen. And so uh, this is uh, 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 very true. It's very important. And I want to title this uh, Marriage Nuts and Bolts because I want to throw in a bunch of stuff into this and uh, kind of touch on some relationships. First of all, I want to talk about a financial perspective that's needed <coughs> Excuse me, in marriage. And probably the greatest enemy in marriage is financial debt. Uh, any counselor uh, will tell you that the greatest problem with marriage uh, has to do with finances. And they will tell you that uh, debt uh, is the greatest enemy of uh, a marriage. And uh, one of the things that I uh, prepare when I have marry young couples is uh, uh, say to them, have you sit down and talked about uh, a budget? Do you know how much it's going to cost you to live? Uh, rule of thumb is one uh, week's salary, one month's rent. Uh, and... Uh, when you go over that, the amount that you go over that, as you're going into debt, you're going into disaster. And so uh, many times young couples have no consideration. Uh, they just they, they launch off. They will, uh, as I said, they'll move into a property they can't afford. And uh, sometimes uh, this is a necessity for a period of time. But when you uh, begin to go over that, you're going to get into trouble. You're going to put pressure on the marriage that's going to begin to compute out. I ask them, uh, do you have any school debts? So you get a school loan for education that you're not telling him about or that you're not telling her about. I want you to come clean. Lay that lot on the table. Don't, don't get married. And then you say, oh, I forgot to tell you about this. Uh, I owe $10,000 to the government uh, for this school debt that I have. And so I want them to come clean. And uh, then another thing I ask him is who's going to handle the money?
Okay, what's that got to do with anything? Well, it has a lot to do with anything. You need an understanding about who's going to handle the money and uh, how this is going to work out. And so uh, many men today, uh, they, uh, they demand, I'm, I'm going to handle the money. I'm the guy that, uh, and so you know, I got better things to do than spend my time looking over uh, gas bills, water bills, etc., cetera, uh, paying for papers. Is, uh, I've got better things to do than that. I've got better things to do than walk through grocery stores trying to find the best bargain. <laughs> See, I read to you Proverbs 31. That says that's her expertise. She has uh, that uh, nature that's about that. And so uh, as long as we've been married, uh, my wife has handled the finances. That doesn't mean that, that, uh, uh, that I, I have to go to her, please, honey, can I have a dollar, you know? That's it. <laughs> We've always had uh, a, an understanding, and uh, uh, we have worked together harmoniously, and uh, uh, worked out uh, on that. I'll say a little, little, little bit about that later. Uh, one of the things I ask them is, is she working? Uh, well, uh, yes, she's working. Is she going to continue to work? And then I uh, make a statement to them that you need to learn to live on his salary. I know that this is radical uh, doctrine for this generation because this generation wants to have it all now. Uh, they want everything that their parents uh, had when their parents are 50 years old, and they want it when they're 19. And so they have no understanding about regulation of finances. And so uh, I say to them, if your wife is going to work, and I understand that there are people here that this is not your... Uh, you have a different philosophy and I'm not arguing with you I'm just saying for a normal life and a harmonious relationship any diversion from this you're going to have to come together and have an agreement because it's going to cause stress so I say to them is she working? yes okay don't ever involve her finances in your budget you live on what he makes if that means that you have to live in an efficiency apartment uh, pull the bed out of the wall to sleep put it back up to eat and put the table down that's what you need to do because debt is the worst enemy of marriage. And one of the things that's helped my wife and I survive, and I advertise these seminars, is how to stay married 50 years, is that we had an understanding about money. And as I say again, uh, as long as I've been in ministry, I could, uh, I, until I came to Prescott, Arizona, I could have qualified uh, for uh, 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 poverty level. I could have gotten food stamps. I could have got on welfare because of the money that I made. But we always lived on that. I never did. We always lived because we adjusted our income, our, our lifestyle to our uh, income. And so as I said last night, I've always said to young couples when they get married, don't go out and buy a bunch of stuff. Uh, is uh, The first thing I ask them, do you have a place to live? And if they say, no, we're staying in my parents' back bedroom, I say, I won't marry you. You don't have any basis for marriage. Unless you can afford a place to crash, then you don't have a, a basis for marriage. And so I say to them, don't buy anything, eat off apple crates, and sleep on the floor for the first year. Be happy. Then you can go out for a hamburger once in a while. 
and uh, you're not under the, the money strain. And both parties in a marriage have to discipline themselves financially and avoid debt like the plague. So that doesn't mean that you can't ever buy anything uh, on debt. A wonderful thing about our generation is that we have, uh, uh, we have financial schemes that young couples can buy houses. This is a fairly recent phenomenon that most of you don't understand that the generation passed, they didn't, uh, couldn't own a home because they didn't have the money to buy a home. Unless their parents bought it for them, they couldn't own it. Today we have schemes that are tremendously helpful, but you must discipline yourself and stay out of debt. Uh, Johnny Cash said, had the old song, you load 16 tons and what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. St. Peter, don't you call me because I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store. Well, there's a lot of truth in that old song. And that truth is that uh, debt is a, an enemy of marriage, and the key is to live within your means. This takes discipline, and uh, you're going to have to do that. Ms. Mitchell and I have always been partners. Uh, we've counseled about uh, purchases. We, uh, we raised five children, and uh, we had to, uh, she would say to me, you know, uh, what's her name? need shoes next week and so uh, uh, okay well because we couldn't we couldn't we couldn't buy everybody's shoes at once there's just not the money for that so you have to space it out and so uh, we counseled about all of that uh, uh, I never bought anything any major purchase until I uh, I uh, counseled with her and I can never ever remember her ever saying at any time no don't do that uh, she'd say, she, I always knew that she was going to say, okay, but to give her dignity, I would say to her, what do you think about this? And she'd say, well, whatever you think. Whatever you think. But I gave her the dignity of making that decision because we're partners together. Meal planning. Uh, I, as I said, we lived at a poverty level. Uh, we ate stew made out of Spam. Most of you don't have any idea what that's all about. <laughs> Say, why would you do that? Say, because we couldn't afford meat. That's why. See, I'm talking a foreign language here to a lot of people. <laughs> but we survived. And through the years, we had an understanding, and uh, we worked together on that. So I've made a statement about working wives. Uh, working wives are going to put an extra stress on the relationship. And I'm, I don't go out of here and say, Pastor Mitchell has attacked me because I'm not doing that. I'm just stating a fact. A working wife will put an extra stress, stress on the relationship. And so uh, a woman who's out working in the marketplace all day, she's uh, hassling with difficult customers or whatever it is, and then she comes home and uh, you complain about the meal. You don't like uh, uh, spaghetti anymore. You'd like to have a steak and uh, your socks are not where they ought to be, and your shirt's not ironed, and all of that. Well, that's, that's a part of the, of, of the difficulty of uh, working women is uh, if they're working, uh, there's going to have to be some kind of compensation at home, and you're going to have to take up the slack on some of that. Uh, I only allowed my wife to work one time. She worked four months in a company that made uh, meals for, uh, for airlines, and uh, uh, and I babysat five kids and cooked the meals. And I, after four months, I said, that's enough of that. That's never going to happen again. 
So there is a, a, a compensation that's going to have to take place, and uh, there are situations. I had a man talk to me last night and said, in the generation we live, it, it, sometimes uh, um, they can't make it on one person's salary. And sometimes that's true. Uh, we, because of government regulation, uh, a lot of times they only want to hire uh, 25 hours a week because they want to escape the insurance or want to escape the compensation. And so uh, uh, they have to work two jobs, et cetera, et cetera. And so sometimes people get into financial difficulties through uh, bills or through disaster. And so we don't draw a line and say if, you, if you're gonna, wife's going to work, going to go to hell. Uh, if your wife's going to work, you're headed for divorce. We don't say that. But we have to face reality, and that is that it puts extra stress. And I say to you, if you can avoid that uh, uh, and you're trying to raise a family, do it at all costs because it's going to cause extra stress. Now, this is not to say, I read Proverbs 31. We see a woman in Proverbs 31. She's using the skills that she has. She's using the opportunities she has. Apparently, she's making things, and these things are, 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 are sold. Uh, apparently, she's uh, doing some business transaction, and so uh, if you if you read Proverbs, you'll see that uh, a woman who uh, is a Bible woman doesn't mean she disconnects her brain and does nothing but cook meals and has babies. It means that she is intelligent and she works within the realm of that. However, uh, there is extra stress uh, that comes upon a relationship where the wife is going to have to work. And when they get into a situation where she has to work, it's going to put extra stress on the relationship, and you need to understand that as you get into that. So that's why I ask her, is she going to continue working? Yes. And I say to them, if she's going to continue to work, use that for extras, but do not obligate that where there's a bondage and she's enslaved to that. If you're a pastor uh, and you're uh, a working pastor, this is going to put extra stress on the relationship. In finances, you're going to have to discipline your life because as a, uh, as a pastor beginning, you're going to have to develop your ministry. You know, you're not going to step out and be a pastor, and in six months you're going to have 500 people, and uh, you're going to draw a big salary and, and uh, have a big car. You probably are going to spend a number of years before you even have enough to even uh, 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 draw any kind of, of sustenance from it that you can even have the dignity that I'm a pastor. And so uh, you're going to have to discipline yourself while you de develop your ministry. And as you discipline yourself, this will make your marriage uh, a great deal better. The second, uh, the another thing you need to do is you need to learn to save. You know, this is a generation that amazes me. If they've got $5 in their pocket, they have to go spend it. It's astonishing. They can't stand to have money in their pocket. Because, as the old saying goes, it burns a hole in their pocket. They've got to go out and spend it. And uh, if you learn uh, to save, see, saving uh, uh, becomes addictive. It becomes a habit. And that means that you, uh, uh, just because you've got the money doesn't mean that you need to go, go spend it. Just because you've got the money doesn't mean you need to go buy a new car. Just because you've got the money doesn't mean that you have to do many things. You need to learn to adjust and discipline your finances and learn to save. You need to learn to give to the Lord's work. Uh, I, was, uh, I was thinking about this. I prepared this uh, years ago. Uh, my wife and I 
begin to be confronted with uh, faith promise for missions. In other words, this is over and above your tithe, and you're going to make a faith promise. You're going to say, if God, if you bless me with this, we're going to give. And so I began to notice uh, about my wife early on is she seemed to she seemed to resent uh, when we would give money to the Lord's work. And so I made a decision, and that decision was I said, why don't you make the pledge, or you you take uh, you make that you make that uh, statement, and uh, and I was floored because she uh, would give away the company store. I mean, she's a, she she was far more liberal than I was, and it totally changed the dynamics when I said and let her have uh, that uh, dynamic working in her. And so, uh, on financial perspective, I want to connect you back with God's promises and the Lord's work. Proverbs 3, 8 through 10. I want to read this to you. 8 through 11. Will a man rob God? Well, of course he will. And act religion, speak in tongues, and wave his hands at the same time. That's why the question is asked. But you, yet you've robbed me, but you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings, you're cursed with a curse. For you've robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Now, this is one of the great statements made in Scripture. And this says that if you will become involved with God in finances, he will become involved in you. And this room is filled with people that will testify that God is faithful. And in your finances, in marriage, if you'll learn to honor God and obey God, I want to promise you that God will work in your behalf. In the book of Luke, chapter 6, 38, says, uh, 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 Given, it shall be given unto you. Uh, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For with such measures you meet with all, it will be measured to you again. In other words, there's a dynamic there. And that dynamic is God becoming involved. And finally, Proverbs 3, 9, and 10, Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all your increase. So shall your barns be filled with plenty, and your presses shall burst out with uh, new wine. These are all texts that have to do with finances. Uh, and I want to tell you that finances have a great deal to do with whether your marriage is going to be happy, it's going to be stable, it's going to survive, or it's going to crash. Uh, finances uh, mean everything in marriage. The Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, uh, and uh, then shall all these things uh, be added uh, unto you. Someone said money is a big issue for women because it's linked to a desire for security. And so I want to say that this is very true, but don't forget God and don't uh, interpret security as having things because things do not give security. And uh, uh, someone else has stated, this is one of our evangelists, said women want you to work all the time make as much money uh, as you can, and they want you home all the time. And so this is that great, this is that great contradiction that works in uh, that relationship. So this is the financial perspective. This is, uh, has to do with the marriage nuts and bolts. The second thing I want to talk about is a spiritual overview uh, in marriage. And so 
These seminars basically are founded for Christians, and we're approaching this entire uh, uh, subject as Christians. Uh, Christians mean that something's happened, a, a dynamic has come into your life that deals with your sin and your self-will. That's what a Christian is. Unless your self-will, unless your sin has been dealt with, you're not a Christian. And the Bible says that Lucifer came into the garden and said to the woman, you should have your way. That's what he said to her. Basically, the language is there. But in marriage, there's going to have to be a sacrifice of your will. In every marriage that I have to counsel, uh, I know that either one or two people are selfish in that relationship. And because of that selfishness, uh, there is difficulty and there is uh, friction that's arising. And if one person insists they're going to have their own way, there is no flexibility, uh, you're heading for problems, and it's going to explode, and you probably are going to be looking for someone to referee in your marriage. Only a submission of our self-will to God through the Word of God and the Holy Spirit can make us yield. In the uh, Scripture, there's a, a, a abundant text, and uh, this gives us a, a, a framework for operation. One of these I want to read is Ephesians 5, uh, 22 through 33. It says, Wives, submit to your hu uh, own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the, uh, uh, the church, and he's the Savior of the body. Therefore... Just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. It's like I'm, I just landed from outer space reading that to this generation. Because that is not the understanding of this generation. This generation is, uh, we're equal. And uh, uh, this is not true. Each have a role. Uh, a husband will have a happy marriage if he understands the role of his wife, minister to that. The wife will have a happy marriage if she understands the husband's role and ministers to that. So, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Now, every husband knows this text, wives, submit yourself to your, uh, to your own husband. He knows that. He can quote it by scripture. He says it in his dreams. <laughs> but, he, but he doesn't want to interpret verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. Uh, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, because in that text means that you're going to put your wife first. Your consideration, your treatment, the words that you speak, your financial transactions, all your conduct is going to put your wife first, because this is love. Love means others first. That's what it means. Verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. How many of you uh, have that appreciation for your wives and that attitude towards your wives? She's precious. Anything that you could do to better and benefit and uplift her, that's what you will do. Well, that's what it means. Uh, if you want submission, that's what you're going to have to furnish. You have to furnish something for them to submit to. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. What a fantastic insight. Because uh, every person, uh, their natural instinct is to love themselves. Isn't that right? They love themselves. That's why they look in the mirror. That's, that's why they, when they're buffing up, they've got the mirror there. They want to see. 
That's why they, when they dress, they, they, you know, that's why, because they love themselves. Well, the scripture says that you need to love your wives. I can, I'm striking a chord here, I can tell. That you need to love your wives as you love yourself. That means that you're paying attention to her and giving her interest. Verse 29. And, and as a matter of fact, it gives this tremendous insight that if you do that, you're loving yourself. What, what are you talking about? I'm talking about you being blessed out of loving your wife. You're going to love yourself before it's over. So husbands ought to love their own wives, their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. No one ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now, I talked a little bit about ministry, and ministry can be an element that will cause division in the relationship. When I counsel a young couple and I get ready to marry them, I ask them, you know, what ministry are you in? Do you have a ministry? Yes. So what ministry are you in? And so what I say to them is, uh, are you willing for them to continue to be involved in that? Or are you going to have them say, yes, I do, and then next week you're going to say, I don't like you being involved in that. Remember the statement this uh, one of our evangelists says, they want you to work all the time, they want you to make all the money you can, they want you to be home all the time. And so uh, uh, I read another statement that in a, in a successful marriage, each has to have uh, room to develop in their personality. And so it uh, is essential uh, that you're, uh, you're going to have to accept the other person because one of the great motivations in Christians is that they're going to find a place to serve because that brings them a sense of, uh, of fulfillment. It brings them a sense of doing something eternal. And women uh, who are willing and able to accept uh, her place as a helpmeet in allowing her husband uh, to fulfill his ministry will go a long ways towards a happy marriage. I was, uh, I was talking uh, to our travel agent, Leslie Ross, and I, uh, on the phone I said, uh, Leslie, you're going to come to my marriage seminars. I'm gonna, I'm, my theme is how to stay married for 50 years. She said, I don't know about staying married for 50 years, but I know how to stay married for 30 years. She said, I said, how's that? She said, smile and keep your mouth shut. <laughs> Her husband sitting across the room, he heard this, no doubt. And she said, Mike, Pastor Mitchell wants to know how to stay married for 30 years. And Mike says, smile and keep your mouth shut. <laughs> so in the relationship, you have to understand that if you are, uh, are you're married to a man who is trying to find ministry or fulfill ministry or have some kind of ministry situation, that uh, priority to God does not damage but enhances uh, Married. C.S. Lewis made an interesting statement. I leave that with you. Said, at the end of a long letter, C.S. Lewis wrote, "When I have learnt to love God better than my earthly dearest, I shall love my earthly dearest better than I do now. Insofar as I learn to love my earthly dearest at the expense of God and instead of God, 
I shall be moving towards a state in which I shall not love my earthly dears at all. When first things are put first, second things are not suppressed, but they are increased. So in this uh, uh, spiritual overview, uh, there must be a place where you allow or do allow uh, your uh, uh, marriage partner to develop in ministry and you're willing to take the sacrifices that are involved in that and you need to come to an agreement on that or you're going to have problems uh, in that. Ministry can be an element for division. And so you must uh, take that into consideration and you must work with that. There's a third thing that I want to talk about in a spiritual overview, and that's a moral dimension. Uh, I'm not sure all that I'm talking to this morning, but I want to uh, want to just uh, we just touched last night uh, about television. I hate television. The reason I hate television, I have watched in my lifetime watch it ruin a society in my lifetime. I've watched it ruin a society. And so uh, we will become what we watch. I'll let that soak into you. You don't believe this? Read Numbers 25. Numbers 25 is a very interesting passage of Scripture. Here's the people of God. And as the people of God are there, they come to this place uh, and they're traveling through. And as they come to this place, they are near uh, uh, some of the Moabite women, I believe it is. And uh, they see these Moabite women and they start talking with them and uh, they're temple prostitutes is what they are. And they say to them, what do you girls do? And so they say, well, why don't you come in and watch us? And so they go in and watch them, and temple prostitutes were involved in actual sexual encounters as a part of their worship to Baal. And the Bible says that also there's meals that were served with that, and it says very simply, they sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. And that wasn't checkers. This spells out for us the tremendous power of pornography. You will not watch pornography and stay untouched. And there's very little that you can watch in today's fair that is not laced with pornography. You might as well be honest about it. Any successful film today has to have sex scenes, naked bodies. And you will not watch that and be untouched and unmoved. And so you cannot. That's the power of pornography. And when the Bible says, I will set no wicked thing before my face, uh, this was talking about this business uh, of idolatry and the sexual uh, uh, relationships that took place there. Today, we don't have to go into the temple of Baal of that. Just switch on your TV or go down to the local video store and get one of these nice late uh, issues, or you can, uh, in the privacy of your own home, you can click on your, uh, your uh, computer and you can get it firsthand. And I want to say to you that no marriage will survive that. A word to the wise and a word of warning to you. Today alone, there are 270...
thousand of such sites exist, but these sites are not contained behind counters or packaged with brown paper. They're not screened by clerks or store owners. These sites are accessible at any time by any person of any age or gender who can type a few letters and click a mouse. So this is why Job made a statement in Job 31. He said, I've made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? And one translation says uh, not to look lustfully at a girl. The Bible spells out very clearly the dynamics of the visual imagery and how it will impact you. And I want to say to you, as you're sitting here today, that if we do these seminars next year, there's a very good likelihood you won't be here if you give yourself to and you submit to. You need to avoid it like the plague. You need to get out of your house, break the contact relationship with it. If you have a computer, you need to put a blocker on it. Uh, we, we, we're going to talk about this in our church uh, the 16th as we meet together with our ministry but you need to put a blocker on it and if you are ignorant and you think I can handle this I have news for you read the Bible Numbers 25 says they sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play these are red-blooded Jewish boys they have normal hormones and they succumb to what the Bible has outlined for us over and over again, you cannot survive uh, watching this uh, without uh, repeating the acts, uh, and it's deadly, it's like a disease. The third thing I want to talk to you about is family and child rearing. This is a generation that indulges their children, and uh, children uh, change all the dynamics of marriage. Most of you know that. They change totally the dynamics of a man and a woman, and someone made a quote, said, this is the first generation in history that's turned the running of the country over to the children and sent the parents out to play. What has happened is that uh, there is an overemphasis upon children. This is why you hear, hear every politician, you catch the buzzword, uh, we have to take care of the children, whether it's more money for education, which is a total scam, or whether it's uh, 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 a medical program, Always the buzzword is the children, the children, the children, is because this generation has given overemphasis to catering to the instincts of and giving the children what they want. If you want to raise prison material, then you give the children what they want because you will raise criminals. Children must be reared, and they must be reared with discipline and given direction and I want to tell you that they have a degree in psychology by the time they're five years old. They have already learned how to manipulate. They know which parent is soft and which one is hard. They know which one to move upon to get their own way. And to be able to survive that, you have to have a certain strategy. And uh, the strategy is that you're going to set a and the, 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 the father and the mother have a t-shirt, little boy standing with his hat turned around backward because this generation don't know which way it goes. And so his hat's turned around backward. That's a symbol of rebellion. I don't know if you know that. And so uh, anything that's unorthodox is a symbol of rebellion. Do you know that? Whatever the society's not doing that you can put out a little bit kinky, whether it's a tattoo, a nose ring, earring, 
or a lip ring or a cheek stud or an eyebrow, whatever it is that this generation is not doing that they can do, that's a statement of rebellion. So he's standing with his hat turned around backward, and his father's T-shirt says, Ask your mother. The mother's T-shirt said, The answer is no. I thought that was very interesting because here is a great insight into many times children's manipulation. They found which one that they can manipulate and they begin to move to uh, have their own way. Irma Bombeck wrote a tremendous uh, 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 statement some years ago and uh, she gives us some insight in discipline. Discipline is the father's responsibility. He is to be the chief disciplinarian. This is why we have such difficult problems with the fatherless home is because uh, this is changed. The father is to be the chief disciplinarian, and this is why uh, the mother, in the difficult cases when they get older, say, you wait till your father comes home. If he does not fulfill that role, then you are lacking a degree because the wife is the secondary disciplinarian. The husband has that responsibility before God, and the Bible spells it out very clearly that we won't uh, waste our time going into that. So uh, someone has uh, made a statement in the, uh, Irma Bombeck that I thought was worthwhile. It says, in response to a column on never strike your child in anger, she wrote this. This is Tom Burns of Lake Bluff, Illinois. And he offers this tongue-in-cheek uh, question as to when you do strike them. He's the father of 12 children, the grandfather of 14. says, never strike your child in anger, never hit him when irate, but save it for some happy time when both are feeling great. <laughs> save it for some pleasant bedtime, and as you tuck him in his crib, clench your fist and let him have it. <laughs> Or better, choke him with his bib. <laughs> or wait until a Sunday morning. Try to catch him at his prayers. And as he whispers, Dodd bless daddy, kick him neatly down the stairs. <laughs> or how about a happy birthday when friends and laughter fill the house. Then bash him with a cake you've lettered greetings to a little louse. Or how about a family outing? A Sunday morning at the zoo. And when it's time to feed the lions, supplement with you-know-who. <laughs> or take him with you on an airplane. The family plans the cheapest way, and when it reaches cruising level, tell him go outside and play. <laughs> Although he breaks a Wedgwood platter, spills your bourbon on the floor, never strike your child in anger, it ain't civilized anymore. It makes a child feel insecure when parents strike or even shove, but you can do him in completely as long as it's done in love. <laughs> so here's a, a, a little interesting insight because this is the, uh, this is the generation that uh, is kinky about a discipline in raising children. And uh, my wife and I made the statement that if we'd... Uh, uh, had some of the society we have today, we'd probably been both in jail because we ran our house, period, no ifs, ands, or buts. We had Greg run away from home one time while I was out on a trip. And when, we, when I came home, I said, 
want to give you a little word of wisdom. I think he was about 14, you know, uh, almost adult. And so I said, uh, next time you run away, your clothes are going to be packed. You're going to be on a porch. You're out of here. You ain't never coming back. Well, I don't know what that meant to him, but he never tried that again. <laughs> so we need God's order in the home. Ephesians chapter 6 and 1 through 4 gives us God's order in the home. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So uh, you have to raise your children. I want to give you a word of advice. Always keep church and kingdom priority in raising your children. Do not compromise with this generation and their attempts to make incursions. I have often, uh, we lived where we drove by the high school for uh, many, many years. And I was always marveled as I drove by the school and realized that the school is furnishing activity to try to, uh, uh, to furnish something for children when it really isn't their, their task. Children uh, ought to be educated in school and they ought to be raised at home. I don't, I don't uh, compromise on that. I remember that uh, they have all kinds of activities. Greg uh, wanted to play t-ball. And so we said to him, uh, that's fine as long as you don't have to play on Wednesday night and miss church. And, and uh, a couple of times he uh, played, he had to come in in his uniform, but we insisted he's not going to do that. We're not going to compromise our testimony. I know parents that have raised their children, any activity on earth that would take up with, with church, that was fine. They're going to, because they don't want to disappoint these little creatures and, uh, and their uh, desires of what they do. I want to give you some good advice. If you disappoint them now, they won't be disappointed by life later. You teach them that no is a word that they're going to have to, uh, uh, have to learn to live with. And if you don't teach them that while they're at home, then society is going to teach it to them. They'll teach it to them in... Uh, in uh, jail, they'll teach it to them in prison, they'll teach it to them as they fire them from job after job, uh, but it, they'll have to learn that no is something that needs to be learned at home. And one of these that we did was concerning church uh, and kingdom priority. I remember one time we uh, had one of our daughters that was musically talented and she went to California on a uh, field trip. It was supposed to be chaperone. We found out that it was not chaperone and a very dangerous situation there. And the minute I found out about it, I pulled her out of that and said, you're not, you're not being involved in that. And the school screamed, oh, you know, this is not, I don't care what the school thinks. This is my child, and I set the boundaries. You don't set the boundaries. So uh, that's just a little word to the wise. Uh, 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 added to that, uh, I was called to the junior high one time for Greg. And so uh, the principal is there. I think uh, one of his teachers was there, and then this shrink was sitting there, this woman's shrink. There's no, there's no woman as detestable as a woman's shrink. So she's sitting there, and so here's my son. He's a criminal. He's, uh, he's committed a bad thing. And so they call me to the school. I've got to come in and sit on this session. I sit down and listen for about uh, 10 minutes, and I said, I want to tell you something. We don't have any problem with this boy at home. 
in any way, shape, nor form. He knows what discipline is. He knows the guidelines, and when he doesn't set by the guideline, I punish him, and I send him to school, and I expect you to do the same thing while he's at school. You control him, and you do whatever you have to do to make him obey the rules. Uh, and, the, and, the, and the principal set right straight up, and the uh, shrink got this awful look on her face, uh, and uh, that ended the conversation, and I never had to go to the school again. Having said that, the example uh, is probably does more to shape children than any other uh, uh, thing in life. The example that you're going to set for your children is going to is going to have a tremendous impact uh, upon their lives. I've got some beatitudes I want to share for married couples, and it says, "Blessed are the husband and wife who continue to be affectionate, considerate, and loving after the wedding bells have ceased re- ringing. Blessed are the husband and wife who are as polite and courteous to one another." as they are to their friends. Blessed are they who have a sense of humor, for this attribute will be a handy shock absorber. Blessed are the married couples who abstain from alcoholic beverages. Blessed are they who love their mates more than any other person in the world and who joyfully fulfill their marriage vow of a lifetime of fidelity and mutual helpfulness to each other. Blessed are they who remember to thank God for their food before they partake of it and who set aside some time each day for the ring of the Bible and prayer. Blessed are they who attain parenthood, for children are a heritage of the Lord. Blessed are those mates who never speak loudly to each other and who make their home a place where seldom is heard a discouraging word. Blessed are the husband and wife who faithfully attend the worship service of the church for the advancement of Christ's kingdom. Blessed are the husband and wife who can work out their problems of adjustment without interference from relatives. Blessed is the couple who have a complete understanding about financial matters and who have worked out perfect partnership with all the money under control of both. Blessed are the husband and wife who humbly dedicate their lives in their home to Christ and practice the teachings of Christ in their home by being unselfish, loyal, and loving. I forgot to tell you when I was doing the deal on finances that some years ago we had a a couple that attended our church and so every time that she'd become frustrated with him, she'd go out and write hot checks in town. <laughs> That's the only case I've ever had. That's the most hilarious thing I ever saw. Sure enough, uh, about every six months, uh, in they'd come, and she had become frustrated because she couldn't get him to listen to her, and she'd go out and write hot checks because she knew that he had to deal with that. That's called revenge. Well, example uh, does more to shape uh, children than anything else in life. And the most powerful lesson you will ever uh, uh, impart to them is the life that you live. They know a hypocrite when they see one. They can spot uh, insincerity when they see it. And they also can spot genuineness. It doesn't mean that you're a perfect uh, example of a human being, but it means that when you are locked in to love God and serve God, and you're oriented, and he's your first priority, then they begin to see that there's something genuine about this. I, I can remember I was preparing as a thing about uh, my children. Uh, have, uh, I've been uh, awakened at night by my children. We lived uh, for uh, nearly 30 years in a house that uh, had an upstairs-downstairs, a split level, and the children slept upstairs. My wife slept down, and I slept downstairs. And I've had them wake me up in the middle of the night and say to me, Dad, would you pray for me? I don't feel well. 
Well, that speaks volumes to me. I don't know if it speaks anything to you. They had confidence, number one, that I knew God. This wasn't just an action that I went through, but that I knew the Lord. And secondly, that the God that I had given my life for and served was one who would hear and would answer prayer. And that example that we set could be repeated over in dozens of different ways because the example you set in raising your children will be the major factor that will be whether they're going to live for God or not live for God. You can't guarantee that your children are going to serve the Lord. But you can set a reference point for them that if they wander, they'll never forget that they have a reference point there. And when they finally want to get right with God, they'll come back to the reference point that they have. So I'm going to open this for questions uh, for about uh, 15 minutes, and uh, then we're going, to, uh, we're going to change. So if I triggered anything that, that you want me to elaborate on. like Australians. Australians never ask questions, they just make comments. Yes, Mindy. Yeah, first first beating needs to come from mom, second from dad. So. Yes. Uh, my kids are growing up, one of them 18, 17, 13. Uh, we just got back from Africa, and so things are a bit different here. And uh, the balance in uh, school activities is already beginning to, you know, hit the discussion. Basketball for my son and my daughter is talking about the prom. Um, so what is your take on proms? I wouldn't let my child go to a prom over my dead body. You know what a prom is? A prom is a prelude to sexual conquest. You don't kid an old kidder. I, I was saved at age 25. I know what dancing's all about. It's about seduction. Okay. Yeah, well, you... That's fine. That's fine. As I said before, I don't care what they think I am. Is is uh, proms are nothing more than a worldly activity to seduce your children away from the standards, and proms are about sex. That's what it's all about. Okay, I don't care what they're telling you. Proms are about sex. That's what it is. Anybody that's honest will tell you that. Good question. No is the question. And so uh, basketball. You know, as I said, we let our our. Uh, uh, boy, be involved, but uh, it's not going to preempt school activity uh, or church activities. Our first priority is church. See, that's a part of the example. See, when you begin to demonstrate to your children that, well, church is okay, but I mean, you need to, you know, I've, I've had uh, parents say, you know, I don't want to deny them because I want them to be normal. Normal? You mean a slut? Is that what you're saying? Is that what you want your children to be? No, uh, the world is, uh, has a sight set on your children to seduce them 
and to destroy them. And the best thing you'll ever do, they'll complain, you're narrow-minded, you're bigoted, you don't understand. I could care less. <laughs> Children are to be raised till they're 18. When they're 18 years old, pack their bags, put them on the steps, say, now you make it on your own. I've done all I can do for you. they're going to make it. They'll make it just fine. The problem with this generation is they think that, the, that they have to stay home with mom and dad until they're 35. <laughs> make them stand on their own. Best thing you'll ever do for your children is make them stand on their own. Teach them to be an adult. Money's not a gift, something you earn. You, you break laws, you pay the consequences. If you uh, violate uh, relationships, then yeah, there's a consequence of faith. Yes? Okay, here it comes. She what? She's on his case? Sometimes, okay. He what? Obeying. Obeying. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so that makes you feel good? <laughs> so uh, one of the, one of the uh, uh, frailties of the Hispanic culture is indulgence of their children. Tell him that. Interpret that rightly. Don't... Okay. <laughs> And if you want to raise prison material, you just continue on letting him have his own way, never spanking him. <laughs> yes, Melissa? Money is something you earn. It's not a gift. That's the best lesson you'll ever teach your children. Uh, years ago, uh, my, uh, my children, we lived in a, a place where they could work in strawberries and do stuff to make money, and uh, my older girls. And so uh, before uh, they go to school, I need that. Everybody's got that. I need that. And so it was the greatest insight when they uh, earned their own money. And so uh, mom said to them, okay, now you're paying for your own school clothes. 
and they were floored by how much clothes cost. Wow, you know, this costs a lot of money. And that was the greatest lesson they ever had. When they had to earn it, they were earning it by picking strawberries or whatever it was, and now they're having to pay that hard-earned money out for something for them. It was a wonderful, wonderful lesson for them. So I agree with you. So you don't give them allowance for uh, breathing. Okay, good idea. Ike? So is it Rosa? Who is it here? Oh, it's Mike. Okay. That's a decision you have to make. I couldn't tell you on that, but it's not it's not wrong for them to want to make money and that you give them a good lesson about what money's worth, but within guidelines and disciplines because a 16-year-old girl get a lot of trouble if you don't watch her. Uh, Rosa? Eat them all. <laughs> Pete? something you have to judge for yourself you know there's no no virtue in 
and having failing grades and having a ministry. Uh, and uh, so there's, you'd have to, I can't tell you the guidelines of that, but I would make the judgment based on what they wanted to do in life. You know, if, uh, if uh, they're going to go to college, why they probably need to learn to read. And, uh, uh, but uh, some of the essentials, uh, if they're just going to marry and be a housewife, they may not need some of the things that they're going to. So I don't know. That's, that's your judgment to make. Uh, Leanne? Yeah, there, my, my take on it is that there's very few parents that can successfully homeschool. We have missionaries. They go to the foreign field. Don't worry about us, Pastor. We'll homeschool these kids. They're there six months, and they say, Pastor, help, help, help. We can't bail us out. And so I understand that and know that. And when I send them over, I say, if they're, they're willing to homeschool, fine with me. But uh, when they call and say, we've got to put our kids in school, then, then we furnish the resources. They have to do it. Uh, because we want the family to survive. But very few uh, are equipped either emotionally or uh, uh, relationally to be able to homeschool. Uh, having said that, I'm not opposed to people that want to homeschool. That's up to them if they can do that. Uh, I am opposed to people making uh, others feel guilty because their children are in public school. Because, uh, they're they're going to have to learn to survive in life. And uh, our children all went to public schools. Uh, we had to weave through the whole thing, as I've said, and uh, you just have to do that. Uh, there are some alternatives that have been offered today which are very good, which are Liberty School and some of the traditional schools, which are much better. And in some places, we have, uh, they have Christian schools like overseas. They can, they, like Lutherans or somebody's doing a school and they can put them in there. And so uh, that depends on the person uh, number one, the person who says, you send your uh, children to public school, they're going to go to hell. I don't agree with that. Uh, number two, uh, the person who uh, is going to homeschool them, this is going to produce a superior type of individual. It may or may not. And so you have to work that out within the flexibility of who you are, what you can afford, and uh, what kind of time that you have to give to it, and your capability. That answered your question, did it? Gave no solid answer of any kind. Didn't <laughs> <it>? <laughs> okay, a couple more questions. Yes, Keith? 